Welcome to Grief is My Side Hustle. I am Megan Reardon Jarvis, your host, and I have a very special episode for you today. I've been looking forward to this one on my podcast calendar for a little while. I have Patricia Montoya with me here today. Patricia, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Megan, for having me. I'm very excited to talk to you about grief and anticipatory grief and all of this. I want to read your bio because I think people will understand why I have been, you know, since last week, putting some questions together and getting excited. But let me just read folks about your work. So it's Patty Montoya is a psychic medium, energy healer, anticipatory grief coach, Reiki practitioner, death doula, and much more. She's the founder of, say it for me. Itziposa, a space created to help people process their grief and their trauma and ultimately grow from their experiences. Titsiposa was created after experiencing the loss of several of her loved ones. Patty provides services that she didn't have while anticipating the loss of her loved ones. She believes that working through our traumas and processing generational trauma, we come to this earth to learn, heal, and teach. And in her practice, she she uses a blend of her gifts and learnings to empower you through the healing journey using energy healing, spirits, tarot cards, and offers a space to raise your vibrations and guide you in a healing journey. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I can't wait for us to get started. So Patty, if you want to just jump in, I'll ask you the question I asked all my guests, which is really what brought you into the space of grief and loss? Yeah, so my brother, he was 15 going on 16. I was 17 going on 18. He got well diagnosed with leukemia. He passed away. Very obviously hard moment, but it was a lot of learning experiences. And I felt from that moment, I was like, there's something I need to do with death. I don't know what it is. A couple of years later, I think it was nine years later, my mom was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And it was very like short lived and she passed away. I don't know, like a month after. And, you know, I had, I've had other losses of uncles and grandparents, which I talk about, but not, not as much because it's it's a different experience, of course, but these two big losses just have like really, I'm, this is going to sound really strange, but I just really, really feel like I was brought into this earth to talk about death and to work with death. So little by little, I have been kind of finding my space and what is it that I want to do? And as you write in my bio, there was just a really difficult time for anyone that is anticipating the death of a loved one. And I really just didn't have any support. Well, I had support, but not the support that I felt that I needed or that I wanted at that moment. Wow. So first of all, I'm really sorry to hear about your brother's death and your mother's death. And I, leukemia is such a serious diagnosis. Pancreatic cancer is so brutal because there's no, you know, you don't need to Google very far to understand that that's, I think one of the most brutal cancer diagnosis that's out there. So, so you use that word anticipatory grief, which that's exactly what you would have found yourself and many people who are who are experiencing taking in information about an illness, particularly if it's pretty clear. I, I had a similar experience with my dad. He was given one year to live and he lived, you know, one year and seven days after his diagnosis of small cell cancer, which is a similar sort of cancer. What 
did you learn in that anticipatory experience and how has that informed the work that you're doing? Yeah. So the biggest thing was I was raised in Colombia, my family or Colombia is very Catholic and my family was kind of Catholic and I was always looking for answers in the religion and the religion couldn't answer it. Right. So for me, the biggest thing was if heaven is such a special place, why are we so sad that we're leaving? Right. So that was always kind of the question for me, like, why were we never taught that death is part of life? And I feel like that's something that I've always tried to talk to. A lot of my work, I, I try to focus it on talking about grief, talking about death, because I feel like it, it's such an important part to bring that topic up, like up, right? And then the second part is really kind of like, how can we prepare for that? How can we, you know, like, I, I, I don't think we can really prepare, but like, yeah. how can we be there for each other and how can we ask for what we want or what we need and I mean you know this more than I do but like our brains are just a mush right like at that moment we're not thinking clearly then grief does its work when someone passes away and we're, we're just not our ourselves anymore right so I think there's a lot of like oh I should have I I I didn't blah and I'm just a lot of like Gravest part of our life, our daily life after the pandemic or during the pandemic, we realize grief is just all around us, right? And I think it's just really important to be like, how can we live with grief? How yeah. can we live with death? Oh, I love that. I, I love that, right? Because that's the thing that people feel like they can't do when they're in the really early profound loss is they think I can't live through this. And I think to some degree, when you are anticipating a death, it's almost like the anxiety and the expectation is driving the bus and you're, you're even more overwhelmed or more fearful at times because there is a before and after, right? There's the, like, you know, what my life was before. And then there's the after, and you know, you're going to cross the bridge, but you don't know what it's going to feel like. And you don't know. So you know, I always say that anticipatory grief is grief. You're already grieving. Right. It's just that grief has a spectrum of how it feels. And so anticipatory grief is one kind, the same way that seven years out is one kind. And so we have to sort of, I love the phrase you use, which is learn to live with grief because it's not banana bread. You know, it's not like one thing that we hold and, and really it has one purpose. Like you could use it for a doorstop, but that's not what it's for. Grief becomes sort of this energetic, I don't jetpack of some kind at, at, or energetic rock at some, at some times and everything in between at different stages in your life. So you don't always know, right? You don't always know what is it going to do in my life, but learning yourself and how, what you need sounds like a really, it sounds like a a lifelong, very significant, important process. Will you tell us a little bit about what that looks like? Like what does someone do to sort of become someone who lives with grief? How do you, when you're working with people or even in your personal experience, like how do you help folks understand what that means? Yeah. So there's kind of a a couple of things we can work on, but I think the first one is most of the things I've seen, and I always come from my perspective of what I saw, 
for me was a lot of guilt. So working through that guilt, right? For I don't know why we are so guilt ridden about things that we cannot control, right? So working through that guilt, and as we were talking earlier, like it's all energetic. So I work a lot with the energies. It's kind of like how can I help you relieve all this energetic, like charge that we are carrying? Explaining, let's say you're working with like this is before you know you're suffering from anticipatory grief kind of working and, and guiding you I always talk about like things you should ask the person who's passing away right like when my brother and my mom I always feel guilt about like hey I should have been like but are you fearful are you like scared do you want to talk it through right like there's so many questions that we have to our death ones I know with my mom I ask her a lot but what do you really want at your end of days? Like, where do you want to die? What do you What do you need? How can I, you know, make this? But obviously, there's a ton of questions that you don't ask that I think we should, right? We're very scared of palliative care. We're very scared of hospice when we shouldn't, right? And it's that idea of like preventing death when you we you just can't, right? And then on the other side, it's just kind of so that's really guidance. It's kind of like, hey, let's talk it through, right? Like we were talking about intuitive. Like, let's just ask the questions you need to ask. Let's talk it through. Are you afraid? You can talk it with me. You don't have to put that. I always say, like, I feel like when I was in in this process of losing my my family members, I I had to be the strong one, right? And it's like, but I am suffering as well. I I don't pretend to put all these emotions and fears into my family members who are also afraid or dying, but I did need some relief and some answers to questions that were just beyond me. So I pretend to do that. And then on the other hand, there's this kind of idea of mediumship and still energy healing, which is kind of like, let's talk about what happens after that. There's, I believe there's a spiritual world. I believe that we reincarnate. I believe that we came into the world with a mission and we're here to complete this mission. Let's figure that out for you. Let's figure out how you can get those answers with a loved one. So there's kind of, as you said, grief is a spectrum. So there's, I feel like I, I, I help people at different parts of their spectrum. Well, I love the answer. And I think you've peppered a couple of things in here that I want to go back and make sure the audience fully understands. But I, but I think part of what you're describing is sort of harnessing, right? Like identifying, tap, tapping in to this new energy that gets created. That's actually my definition of grief. Grief is the energy that's created in the body after loss. I think we could also say before, you know, in anticipation of the loss. And I, I'm listening to you talking about there are many different ways to sort of, there are a bunch of different doors to get to that energy. That's what it sounds like you're describing. And I love that because as a healer myself, like I've, you know, I don't know, I'm trained in probably 10 core different treatment modalities. I'm better at some of them than others. So that makes me lean towards one or another. But I also received my own energy healing in, in various ways in, in an in-treatment facility. And like, I still don't really understand how brain spotting works. I don't really get Reiki at all. I just know that, you know, I burst into tears when I, when the woman was, you know, yeah. doing energy, energy work over me. So there are things that I don't understand that I can completely feel and know. And I just want to say it in here because people have, I was talking to a group with David Kessler about this last night. 
I think there is a general belief that by the time you become an adult, you can communicate your feelings. Oh yeah. In, in my experience, that is completely erroneous. And that I don't even assume people know what their feelings feel like. So part of the reason energy work is really important is that this, this word alexithymia, which basically means like, you don't know what your feelings are. I actually think we all have that. And that many times we have a physical sensation in our body and we assign it a meaning that is not, to, to, it may not be accurate for ourselves. So I say, I feel you know irritable, but really I feel sad or I may feel irritable, but sadness is underneath it. So I don't know it. And then my, so I can't really, you know, address it myself. And then my ability to communicate it outwards. I'm telling people I'm annoyed because they left their dishes on the counter. True story did this last night. <laughs> and then I, you know, and then when I do that, the energy doesn't shift or move because it hasn't, it hasn't been witnessed. And it I'm hasn't like, been processed. it hasn't been processed. Right. So, so, and I, and in my, the world that I've trained in, I think there's the identifying, the validating and witnessing, and then the moving through that's the, but I'd love to hear about, you know, when you use that word medium, maybe you could just define that for the audience and really like dig in a little bit, because I think it's something that intrigues people and scares people. So I think I either hear people who are like, oh my God, I want to know everything there is about that. <laughs> or people who are like, oh, that's a bunch of lies. And anyone who says that they, but if we pulled away the provocative word of mediumship and just said, there are ways that people can open doors of energy. I just sort of feel like, of course there are the same way that when you walk into a business meeting, there's one person who's much more attuned to the moods of the people in the room than maybe other people. So I'd love for you to talk about what that work looks like for you and how you came to know it for yourself. Yeah, definitely. So I've been very, I would say intuitive since I was a very little kid. I've felt very attracted to this kind of world. I don't, I don't want to put labels because everybody has a different right. idea of this kind of work that I do, but little by little things just kind of started happening. I have a beautiful mentor. And she was offering a class and I was like, yes, I'm in. Um, and it was just came so natural to me. Right. And then looking back, I was like, no, there's been so many times that I've been able to connect with my family members, not an issue. And I really reached out to my mentor because in my dreams or when I kind of slowed down, my family members were coming in hordes, And I just like, I'm like, I'm going to. Like, I can't deal with this. Like, they need to stop. But obviously, in my mind, you're like, this is the ego speaking. Like, I'm, I'm making this up. Like, I had a moment when I was in college that I, I like, I was crying so much because of my my brother. And I felt he came to me. Like, I, I felt I saw him. Like, it was obviously, like, everybody has their own, like, beliefs and ideas. Nowadays, I'm like, I'm certain that he came. Whatever that came to me, like... I know he's here. I know my mom is here. I talk to her all day long. My sister talked to her and she's like a non-believer. So I always tell people, first of all, we can all be mediums yeah. as we can all be energy healers. Energy, we're all made of energy, right? Like that's literally physics, science, you know, like it can be proven. So it, I'm, I'm not like 
asking you to believe in this like non-existent whatever world, right? So I love how you talked about what your definition of grief is because when my brother passed away, my dad explained kind of death as being, hey, like basically they're just kind of being added to this whole like light. Yeah. And I love, I obviously I didn't, not obviously, but I didn't understand the definition at that point. But now I'm like, I love it. It makes total sense because that's what I believe in. Like yeah. we're part of a, this whole like big energy field, I would call it. Yeah. So if you think about energy and energy can be everywhere and we're energy, then you can be like, okay, well, you attract energy. You can communicate with energy. And I, I kind of like, I've been studying a lot about kind of the spiritual world or what happens after you pass away. And my understanding is that there's this kind of world where, you know, they always talk about like the tunnel, uh, you know, and the yes. light. Yes. <laughs> and it's just kind of like, yeah, everybody keeps saying that when my, when my mom passed away and my, we have a doctor, literally doctor who is now like a, a medium and she's energy healer. So I love it. And she's like, Patty, like your mom is here. And I was so concerned of like stressing her out with my own like world problems. And she's like, no, like they live in a world where like just so much love and peace that they can provide that for you. So basically what I'm trying to say is like, the spiritual world, just this world was full of energy and love. And it just like, the, the it's not like back up or down, you know, it, it doesn't yeah. work like heaven or hell. It just is here with us and they're doing their own work and we're doing our own work. When I have clients come to me, I, I tell them, I'm like, mediumship clients are like people who have passed away. They're doing their own work. So the way that you're going to perceive them, as you were telling me about your mom, is like, it's going to be very different. They, they are in a, in, a, in a moment, in a state of mind that it's just like they're, they're, they're learning about themselves. They're like correcting their mis mistakes and they're, you know, like they're growing. Um, so they, they just come with like much lighter presence. They're a little bit like less like worldly possessions, you know, I don't know how to describe it. I think you're doing an amazing job. And <laughs> I've, you know, I've had a number of different conversations about this and, and everyone sort of says the same thing, which is that part of the concept. So, so you're describing really well, sort of what quantum physics says, which is that energy doesn't get destroyed. And so if someone dies, the energy of them is absorbed out into the universe. So we can, def we can then use our imaginations and, and God, this is going to make me cry. It always makes me cry. My husband, my mother was also very Catholic and she really believed in angels and she really believed in heaven. And she was very tapped into energy that she felt. And my husband said, I said, what do you think? Do you think she's in heaven? Ugh, makes me cry. And he said, in the world that I believe in, everybody gets what they believe in. I love and that. I thought that sounds possible. Like, you know, if, if energy can, you know, if, if we can return the energy into the universe, why wouldn't there be a multitude of possibilities? So the idea that my mom got the heaven that she believed in, that and that doesn't make that heaven necessarily true was very matrix matrixy but very comforting and so what yeah. i'm what i'm what i'm hearkening back to is that the purpose of this sort of concept of mediumship is not so that we know 
because we will never know. Correct. It's so that we can tap into the process of grieving, which allows us to be comforted at a time when it's very difficult to be comforted. So, so whether you're using Reiki or whether you're talking to a medium or whether it's what I think about that is that is one way that you are allowing yourself to be comforted and to move energy through. And what I think can be really painful is, I mean, particularly for me, I had, I had a lot of guilt when my mom died, she was ill for a short period of time and then she died. And I, you know, still really struggle with the idea that if I could have done X, Y, and Z, and I know that's true for most grievers. I actually think that that's a healthy, unavoidable part of grief that your mind, rather than just putting you in a place of sadness, gives you this thought to turn over like, oh, well, there could have been a different outcome. And I, for a long time after my mom died, I just didn't want any visits because I thought, I don't know if I thought she was going to be mad at me back, but I didn't want her to know how hard it had been after she died. I just didn't want, I wanted almost like privacy from her. Yeah. And then I didn't. And then I wanted to see her every day. And I think what you're describing, and I love the way you said it, which is anybody can do this. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, but it's like a practice, right? It's like an invitation. And I think for people who have trouble with it, you, you know, like I have trouble with yoga, I can still practice yoga, but yoga is probably never going to be the like modality of real deep body healing for me because it's not what I trend towards naturally. And I have a, I have a good friend, a really good friend who's an Episcopal priest. And we walk together on Sunday mornings. And I had just finished reading a book where somebody's talking about, and actually there are multiple books like this, but, but the author is talking about feeling just abject sorrow over something. And then she feels the presence of God. I mean, she names it as Jesus. And I was walking through the woods with my friend, like on a level of fury, that's hard to describe. I'm saying to her, like, how come other people get Jesus? Like, how come Jesus shows up for other people? Right? Like I am out of my mind and we're walking in this little, you know, out on the, and there is blinding light on the water, like sparkling. And my mom, my mom lived on the ocean and she used to say diamonds on the water. So I stop and I'm like, look at the diamonds in the water. My mother would love that. And I she, love that. And my friend turns to me and was like, so no Jesus, huh? And I was like, yeah. oh, fuck you. But, but it was very, it was a reminder you know, I see a friend of mine, Deborah Copagan, who's a, a writer. She she has taught me the concept of practicing awe. And for me, trying to bring the actual feeling and sensation of my mother into my presence has been really hard. Even in the mediumship, it's really hard. And I have worked with mediums. Bringing the energy of something that feels larger and and more than me and ridiculously beautiful and, and something that you just caught the light on the water for this one second and it blinded you with beauty, that is not difficult for me to get behind. And that to me feels like healing. And so I'm just really appreciative of the way that you're describing it. And I wanna put it out there to people that the idea isn't you are going to go and consume the service that you provide, which is access to moving energy. It's that you are going to learn 
about how you enter into the space where the energy is and then what works for you. Yeah, I, I love what you said because I think that I, my dad and my partner, they don't believe in anything that I do. And I, I, really, I, I really hope that people do what they it feels good for them and I don't push anything on anyone. But I definitely feel like we're all looking for answers at the end of the day, right? So it's just like, this is just one resources of like, hey, you, and you have to believe, you have to believe that, you know, this is possible. Like, I'm, I'm not into like proving to anyone anything, right? Like, it, it has to be a conversation, right? But I love what you said, like, of like, oh, everything, like, Jesus appears to everyone and not to me. And it's like, you just have to ask for it. So you, you, I believe in signs. And we, we talked about butterfly, the butterfly, it's um, like the symbol of Titi Posan, my, my, I don't know, my mom's like symbol with the blue butterfly. So every time I'm like, I need you, like, I'm like, I asked for that. Yeah. But symbols like can show up in any, 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 any way. You just have to ask for them. You just have to like, believe in them and I think that how I see it is like the spirit world is available to us as much as we need it they're not gonna do do miracles for us but I do feel that they protect us that they like hold us in a in a way and they're always available to us in a way or another right like if you believe in God or you believe in Jesus or you believe like whoever you believe in like I believe in a higher like energy power you can always see it. It's just kind of like, what are you asking for? I'm really like waiting and, and like seeing it. So I think it's just like a beautiful process that is like, yeah, if it's like moving energy from your body or moving like, I do emotion code and body code. And it's all about the idea that we trap emotions and we trap like, and it's about releasing that, like, right. Processing them. But also it's kind of the idea with mediumship is like, Hey, you know, like, do you have questions? Do you have like things that are just like, don't make sense. I had a, a client ask me about like a murder. Right. And it's like, well, this is what I'm getting. Like, does it make sense to you? Blah. But it's like, at the end of the day, it cannot be proven, right? Like things you can help out people, you can give them information, but they have to believe and they have to be ready to receive it. So like, if I feel like if you're not, if you're still like really, really angry about someone's death, I think it's, it's just more like connect with them. You can talk to them. Like you don't need a medium. You don't need anyone else. You have it within you. You definitely have that gift. You just need to sit with it. I think it's also really important for, for kind of the audience to know that, that it's, it's not outside of you. It's really within you. What I love about that. And again, it's like, it's like various different ways where, where we're talking the same language, but but from a different viewpoint. So I was raised in religion, but I'm not at all religious. And one of the things, and I've studied lots of different religions, mostly as a seeker, mostly I hope this works for me. And I've sort of come to understand that maybe like those answers are not outside of me, they're inside. And the Episcopal faith, which is one that's sort of, you know, just to the left of Catholicism, which I was raised in, that's actually the whole point of them. You don't go to church to because God is in church. You go and you bring God to church. 
it's just a building and because it's inside of you. And I think part of what you're describing right now is this is really just about connecting to a resource that is inside of you. And that certainly has been my own experience that when I meditate and take a moment to pause on pain or joy or whatever, there's more of it in the world, right? That, that when I go out and I'm conscious of it for a moment, and I think that's true of yearning. During the pandemic, I had lots of clients. My clients are mostly trauma-centered clients, people who come to me because they are really having challenging symptoms. And many of them live alone. And so during the pandemic, the, the sense of isolation was really hard. And I started a practice with a few of them where I would say, I'm going to send you a text. I'm going to light a candle and I'm going to send you a text. And then I want you to look around for the flicker of light from me. And I do it and it, you know, they'd be like, oh my God, I just saw you. Yeah. I don't know what they saw. Or I'd say, did you see it? And they'd be like, oh shit, I forgot to look for it. Right. And so anytime I can't be present with people, that's what I do now. Because yeah. I actually sort of believe for myself that I am sending them a little part of myself, a little bit of my energy and that they're going to catch it some, some way. And I think I think one of the things that is sort of complicated about the notion of quantum physics or energy or is that we really do rely on our own ability to, to step up and meet that energy. And so yeah. when people are saying, you know, I have friends that say like, anytime I see a penny that's on its head, I, you know, I know that that's my dad and other people are like, that's ridiculous. There's a lot of pennies out in the world. Again, I, I really believe that it isn't about proving it. It's about allowing yourself to feel comfort, right? Yeah. I love that because I feel like at the end of the day, we're here to like have fun and love, right? I, I really feel like we're here to learn our lessons. And, but we're, we, we take things so seriously. I, I take things really, really seriously. And I feel like, it has to be this way or it has to be that way. At the end of the day, we're all going to die. And then what, right? Like, so I feel like kind of just like, you know, you can take it or you can leave it. But it's like, if, if you, if that helps you feel a little bit more love, take away the pressure, take away that like negative energy or like heavy energy, like why not like reach out to that, right? Like, and I always say like, I love therapy. I love like my energy healing practices and I, I love my like things I do. It's not for everyone, but I'm yeah. like, we should all look for that thing that relieves us because we have carried so much pain in this world. Like we all, like I tell my story and people are like, oh my God. And I'm like, yes, it's been hard. I'm not going to say it's not, but everybody has had really complicated, difficult stories that we don't share. And I feel like we all have so much to carry. And I'm like, whatever helps you relieve. So for me, like, if I can talk to my mom, if I can talk to my brother, if I can talk to my family members, if I know they're there for me, that helps me, right? Like my sister that she's like, I don't know. I, she doesn't believe much, but she's like, yeah, the other day she, my mom came and like made fun of me. And I'm like, we're laughing over texts. And we were talking about like, my mom had this, like her favorite color is like, um, kind of like a teal purple I don't know mm. and it's like yeah like if any medium tells us about that color like 
obviously we're gonna you know like know it's gonna be her so it's just kind of like looking for that things that lights you up during the day you know as we grow things get so much serious so much like life just consumes us so like what can we do to just like feel love feel light again and I think it's just that it's like if for you is going to church and talking to whatever god that's great like you I study a building religions yeah. I like I tried them all I was always searching as you said like I'm always searching because it was like I have these very big questions and they're not being answered so I'm like looking for that and I finally felt that I found where who could answer it but at the end of the day like if you look at the history right like they're all kind of the same god they're right. all kind of on the yeah. same idea different ways of asking the same question yeah correct yeah. So I feel like at the end of the day, call it whatever you want, is this energy that is here to protect us and to love us and to make our lives a little bit easier. So I always say like whatever way you can reach it, like just go about it and do it because life is so hard. You don't have to make it harder, I feel. I, I love the way you described it. And, you know, I think most of what I'm doing all, you know, pe- when people ask me that question, how do you come into the world of grief and loss? I'm like, oh, I've been chasing my own healing for my whole life. You know, I, I'm interested in things intellectually. I'm interested in them spiritually. I'm interested. I think my best friend would tell you like, Megan, you don't believe in anything until it happens <laughs> to you yourself. I, I think I do a lot of like guiding and I believe anything can heal you. I mean, I really, I, I believe there's wisdom in a lot of the sort of intuitive choices that people make. And so when I'm talking about grief to people, I have a, I have a menu that is like, do any of these things feel like something that you could energetically do? And it's everything from like cooking and gardening to dancing and having sex. I mean, just like anything that's going to take an energy that is sitting still and move it around. And so I think there's part of the practice that I think is important is the part that's between you and you. Yeah. Right. So how am I gonna, you know, I, I don't know why I use this image, but it's like you're handed this giant watermelon to carry of energy, you know, and you've got to build the muscles to figure that out. And for me, and I feel like this is important to say, I didn't want to talk about it. I did not want to sit with a therapist. I tried. I mean, I, I had a temper tantrum. I like stood up and was rude to this, this woman and was like, you don't know what you're talking about and left and didn't go back. What I, what did work so much better for me was writing and writing for the process and then writing for the product to make something really beautiful. I know there's a woman I know after her mom died, she colored mandalas for years, you know, years. I mean, that bored the crap out of me. I can't, (laughs) I'm not interested in that, but I, but I think intuitively, again, we're all so really different that people will, if encouraged to create a practice, they'll tell, well, that doesn't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that, but I could do that. You know, I I don't, I I don't want to play soccer, but I could kayak or I don't want to cook, but actually painting sounds amazing. Or oftentimes, you know, what I'm, what I'm thinking about in terms of this energy is I had an, I had a medium say to me one time when he said, why are you resisting? And yeah. you're here, why are you resisting? Like you're come here, but then you don't want to hear it or you're not, you know. Well, and I wasn't, I hadn't said a word to him yet. So he yeah. was just talking about the energy he could feel coming off of me. And I said, I'm afraid my mother's going to be disappointed in me. I'm afraid. And he was like, no, that's not how this works. When you peel back all the energy of carrying a life, 
when you no longer have to carry your life, you, you are free of disappointments. You are in, and he called it holy, just the holy energy. And he said, so all the ways that she would have shown up imperfectly for you as a mother, the language that she would have used wrong, the fact that she would have cut you off, the, that she would have misunderstood and not remembered your friend's name, she is free from the burden of all that imperfection. And so if you can plug in to the energy of her, it's perfect. And so to me, I mean, I, that is enough to like make me ball. The idea that the gift that my mother gets in her death is that she only then shows up perfectly in this pure form of energy as support when I want it is like, oh my, that sounds like heaven to me. And what it means is when I see the most unbelievable sunset or am in a national park and there's an electrical storm, like in the distance, that 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 is me connected to her and her connected to whatever the rest of it is. And I, I don't get that all the time. That's not a practice where I can wake, you know, my mom used to get to go to mass every day. Yeah. Yeah. And plug into that every day. But to me, I don't know. There is something about that. That's like, that's worth chasing. That's yeah. worth a practice for me. I'm not expecting her. You know, my mom used to pray for intercession if something was really hard. And I used to do this thing where I'd be like, Ooh, something really scary is happening. I don't really believe in like that God that my mom talks about, but I'll just call her and get her to call him. Yeah. Just yeah. in case he's real. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's totally ridiculous, but now I just sort of say whatever it is that there is, you must know it by now. Correct. And I would like to plug into it. So come or come closer. And I usually feel that through beauty, but it is something that I would say I am practicing. I really like how you were talking about the medium referring to your mom when she passed away, because that's something that I, I wish I talked more about, which I don't, but I think that it's so beautiful said, because when we pass away, I feel like we have all these expectations of like, they're going to be upset about, they're going to like, or like we're watching a show the other day with my partner and, and, and the mom would tell the daughter, be like, your dad wouldn't have liked that. Your dad would have like be disappointed, disagree, whatever. I hate when people use someone who is no longer here and tell you what they would have thought or felt or whatever. We don't know. Life changes. And we really don't know how they feel or think back then. But like my feeling and my belief is that when you pass away, as, as this medium told you, like you are ripped of all this earthly feelings and emotions and like disagreements. And it's like, it's just pure love, pure love and pure peace. And it's like, if we could tap to that a little bit more, I feel like our life would be so much better. Oh God. Yeah. Like, just think about like, is it worth it to like, I, w- I just had an argument with my partner last night. And after that, I was like, Oh my God, this is so useless. This is like, it's so not worth it really to go through life and be angry about these stupid things. And obviously I'm not one to be like, I'm going to, if I die tomorrow, will I be happy? Like I die tomorrow and that life is what it is. But I'm like, okay, if I already know that there's more to it, like the spiritual world's like this beautiful, peaceful thing that just like 
it just there's no anger there's no disagreement there's no competition there's no criticism and like why are we looking for that when our our loved ones pass away and I, I think it's just a lot of like this idea of the religions call it whatever is like oh no god didn't approve of that or you know you have to ask for forgiveness or blah, blah. and it's just this idea like how could we go to just love and and for me love is just like the most the highest vibration you can have you know oh, yeah. energetically formed so you call it wholesome I call it love I call it peace whatever you know whatever works for you but for me just kind of like what I really want to people to take away from this is like how can we go back to being like okay with everybody who's passed away is around me and they're they're filling me with this love and I'm, I'm kind of rejecting it I'm kind of you know like I keep, keep criticizing I keep like being afraid of this person who passed away is like we're also when my brother <clears throat> was sick and passed away it was like you have to take care of your parents. And I'm like, who's taking care of me? Or they, you have to live for your brother. No, my brother passed away. Like he, he did what he needed to do. I am doing what I need to do. So how can we learn to be a little bit more loving, a little bit more respectful and just like take away this kind of like criticism and complaining. And, and, and I'm not saying I'm perfect. Like I criticize and I complain and I fight it, but it's kind of like, I, I just remember every day. I'm like, like I'm not going to put more pressure from above or, you know, it's kind of more of like, what is the learning I can get from these people that already passed away and they're living in this beautiful spiritual world? How can I use that more in my day to day? I feel. Yeah. And I want people, what I want, what I hope people are hearing in this is the hope. Right. So like one of the things that's really difficult is when we're conceiving, I think about, oh my God, what would I do if my husband died? And then my brain shuts off. Like, oh, I could never deal with that. Right. Like that's what, that's what people say to people yeah. grieving, like, oh, I could never. And the poor grievers are like, well, I can't either. I just am. So we're trying to conceptualize something that isn't possible. And I think part of what you and I are talking about is we have the capacity to grow in ways that we can't even conceive because of necessity and it's not all awful, right? The death is awful, the loss is awful, but the transformation, right? Like in my world, we call that traumatic growth, that there is more to be learned about life. And, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking like, okay, but what are the practical things, right? Like people want a list, they want a, yes, yes. They want a book, they want a whatever, because certainly for me, I have both parts, right? Even talking to you now, I'm like, no, there's a part of me that still thinks this is all bullshit. And I know that that part of me that thinks it's all bullshit is based in fear. So anytime that part that comes in, it's like, well, no, that's not what's going on here. And the other part of me has a deep knowing that it is. That conversation between the two parts of me has an emotional component. And I've been doing this work for 20 years. Sometimes it's hard for me to put my finger on what the emotional component is. And after my dad died, well, before my dad died, my husband has a, had a very easy relationship with my dad, but for part of our relationship, I sort of resented, like, why do you get to like him so much? And I find him so difficult. And he said, well, I don't expect anything from him. He's not disappointing me. I don't yeah. have an old child. And I was like, oh, so when he was diagnosed, we had this conversation and my husband was like, you know, you can just borrow the way I am. 
You can see your husband sounds amazing. (laughs) My husband is amazing. That is a hundred percent true. And it was really miraculous because the year that my dad spent dying was the easiest year of our relationship because I really was, I just want, I just don't, I don't want to be the block to any love that's between us. So even though my dad would continue to do the things that used to drive me crazy, I just took him in as acceptable and good enough. And so the energy between us was this really easy energy. Now I had a much better relationship for most of my life with my mom. Yeah. But the second after she died, I was pummeled by guilt and regret. I didn't have the like active participation. We, I didn't get to co-create with her this, like this period of peace. And, you know, again, I mentioned to it, mentioned to you off mic, like the day that I was leaving my mother's house, I had this experience with a monarch butterfly, which is literally the Christian symbol of resurrection, literally. And I know that. And here's this butterfly. And I'm like, oh my God, I think it's dead on my mom's lawn. She doesn't normally have monarch butterflies. Yeah. I mean, the symbolism, anybody else would have come in here and been like, mom, it's you as a butterfly. But I was like, what the hell? I have to deal with a dead butterfly. <laughs> So my point, my point about this is that I still needed, I still needed what I got with my dad, which was this place of, we are okay. Yes. We are, we are actively, and, and I co-created it with my dad when he was alive, but I didn't have a conversation with him about it. I think he just thought I was less annoyed than normal. I didn't get to have that with my mom because she died suddenly. And so that was the piece that I, that was my work. Yeah. And I, I couldn't have done that alone. So that's the thing I want to say to people that even though grief is a totally natural, it's not a mental health issue. It's just a developmental stage. We're all going to grieve. It doesn't mean that we naturally and inherently know how to do it. Thank you. Yes. And I think that is one of the biggest things that I fight. I am like, if we're all going to die, which... Honestly, yeah, honestly, I'm still having like been really okay with it. So I'm I'm working on that process. Of course. But if we're all gonna die, why do society make it so hard? Right. So that for me is something that I fight a lot. But on, on the other hand, is like just because you've like worked through it doesn't mean that like there's nothing that is not gonna break you down one day and be like. Like the other day I was, yeah, I was talking to my mom and like, you know, like I, I, I get upset and I'm like, but why me? You know, like, and like, and, and then I go back and I'm like, okay, life is good, whatever, you know? And it's just like, it's this ups and downs of grief and loss and just like a lot, a lot of love and emotions. And I think that, you know, like there's not a right way and there's not a right wrong way. And I think that for me hearing that was very important. Yeah. Like hearing, I don't believe in like the five steps of grief from yeah. Elizabeth Ross Cobbler. I, I, yeah. it helped, it helped me at that point. Yeah. That's a whole other conversation. But it me. Yeah. No progression. yeah. <laughs> it helped me at that point, but now obviously it doesn't, I don't believe in it. I don't agree with it, but I just like, I feel like we all refer differently. There's not a right way. There's no steps. And I feel, I always go back and like, whatever helps you, like really just take all that pain because at the end of the day, just a lot of pain that 
how can we, you know, as you said, like, how can we grow after trauma? I am a big believer of post-traumatic growth. I'm a big believer of resiliency. And I think it just kind of like, I love how you said it, like, it, there's not a right way and, and we all have to do our process however that works and there's going to be good days and there's going to be bad days and I felt like I talked about that so like lightly and easily but it, it's not like that at all the time and I feel like you have a ton of other podcasts that you know talk about other things so I think it's sometimes like there's a, a, a different stage where we can see death as something beautiful and, and yeah. you know and it's just understanding that there's stages or moments. I just, I think that the, I think that the concept around somehow you are losing at grief, if you need any kind of support about, you know, when people come to see me, they're coming for treatment. I'm moving energy through their bodies because their, their systems are overwhelmed. And there's a lot of like, you know, qualitative science that I can talk to them about, like, yeah, no, let me talk to you about why your memory loss exists. Yeah. And then they're like, oh God. Okay. Whew. I'm not crazy. I'm not yes. failing at grief. My body isn't like a, te- I like, this is just some, something that happens to a brain fog for, for example, almost everybody I have ever met has had some element of brain fog because it's this mechanism that the body puts in place as a protection. And so when I say that to people like, no, that's, that's an alarm system. Your body's doing that on purpose so that you don't have to formulate these memories that will come back and be, they're like, Whoa, thank God. And to me, the fact that we don't have core education, the way that we have, like a, I say it all the time, the way that we have like a health class in high is just insane. Or like with pregnancy, right? Like exactly. That's it. That's another example, right? We talk about like pregnancy brain and everybody is like, yeah, you're a pregnancy brain, but nobody talks about grief brain. That's right. That's, or they do. And they just say it's grief brain, but they don't really give us sort of like, we can, we can know about the same way, you know, pregnancy brain is driven by all your hormones going crazy. You don't need to hear more than that. You already know your hormones are going, going crazy. You're growing like extra kidneys inside of you. So I think there is this concept still like globally, but really terribly in Western culture of like, we're supposed to bright side all the stuff, bright and shiny. And so when people are like, God, I don't really know what I'm doing here. They don't necessarily feel like it's okay to go out into the world exploring. Like if they, if they got a new job and they were like, oh, I don't really know how to be a manager. They would no trouble going to get a management book. They're not failing at being a manager. They just had no one taught them how to do this. And I had somebody say to me the other day, something was going on with one of my kids. I have kids that are 14, 12, and 10. And back to school is like just the worst, you know, you're failing as a parent every single day because, you know, your kid is sick or you forgot their pencils or whatever. So I was talking to a parent and she said to me, God, you know, you're one of the best parents I know. And I was like, you know, first of all, thank you. I don't agree. But secondly, I fucking better be. I have five brothers and sisters. I spent all of my young adulthood as a nanny and a babysitter. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I have three children and I am a trauma therapist who has studied attachment. I better be a good parent. (laughs) Yeah. So the notion that this person, she, I think what she said was you have such good instincts. And I was like, 
is it instincts or do I have like a profound depth of education that I don't even realize that I'm calling on all the time? We have zero percent of that. When I ask my clients, where do you get your information about grief and loss? Most of them say television and movies. I'm not joking. Most of them say, well, I think about this and I feel like I'm like that character. Television and movies that are only an hour long that are going to show you that this person has either like turned into Spider-Man because that's what happens when you, or Batman, when you lose your parents or, you know, is remarried in a bigger house, you know, by 20, 20 minutes into the movie. So I just sort of feel like what you are talking about is stepping close to the belief that you have to go deeper into the energy. It's like a holy practice, just even in the, in the belief and the hope that you could learn something from it. And I just really, God, I really hope that people walk away from this saying, I wonder what energy healing could look like and feel like for me. So could you, I, we only have a couple more minutes, but could you just give people an idea of like, you know, can they, can they get in touch with you? Who would they go looking for? So when someone says to me, Megan, how do I find a trauma therapist? The answer is we're really hard to find. We're particularly hard to find in COVID, but here's what you're looking for. You're looking for someone who's trained in EMDR or somatic experiencing or sensory motor psychotherapy or IFS or brain spotting. These are the things, breath work, these are the things that we know that really get people started in moving the energy. Can you tell us if people are listening to this and they're getting chills like I am and they're like, oh, I got to go closer and I want to know more, how do they do that? What's a good way? To know me or to get to know an energy healer? Either. Yeah, either. I mean, I'm assuming let's pretend there's a thousand people listening to this episode, which is usually (laughs) the number. You cannot accommodate a thousand people. Correct. Correct. So the energy healing, there's so many practices. I do Reiki, something called emotion code, body code. But really, I would just look for like energy healers or Reiki. Usually Reiki practitioners do a ton of other practices. Yes. So I would just kind of start by like energy healing, Reiki. I do, again, body code. I I love it. There's a, a platform for that. And then go deeper and be like, okay, I want, I specialize in grief and trauma, for example. So then be like, hey, I lost someone or, you know, sexual trauma, right? That's a whole other thing, right? So kind of like put those keywords of, I'm looking for an energy healer specialized in sexual trauma and looking for energy healer pardon, right? So really uh, there's people that we, we start specializing in different areas because that's or what we live in or what like most of our clients are looking for. So we start kind of focusing on that. I think that's kind of like the easiest. Yeah, thank you. And how about if people want to know more about your work, what's the best way for them? And I'll put things in the show notes as well. Of course, yeah. How how do they get in touch with you if they're interested in working with you or knowing more? Yeah, so my website is www.titiposa, which is T-I-T-I-P-O-Z-A.com. And then on Instagram, I am titiposa coach. And then, yeah, you'll leave it all written down. But yeah, you can send me an email. There's a lot of information and on Instagram as well as on my website. 
Okay. We'll wrap it up for today, even though I honestly feel like I have 7,000 more questions. So I hope maybe we'll circle back. What I, what I think will probably happen is we'll get some questions and maybe you and I will do an Instagram live and answer. Love that. Yes. Because again, I think this is one of the ways that is sort of newer and maybe people have more hesitation or more questions or more. I understand. Um, But I really want, I really want to invite people who are looking for comfort and healing to go close even if you're feeling skeptical, you know, anytime your energy is curious for me, anytime my energy is like, Oh, hell no, I'm not doing that. I know now that that, that thing is probably coming back for me. If I have such a strong reaction to something yeah. probably for me. So each time I'm like, Nope, absolutely not. Ah, oh, damn it. I should probably do that. So, so maybe you and I can circle back and do a little bit more talking about this. And I certainly hope you hear from people. This has been a totally fascinating conversation. I'm really grateful for the learning and also just sort of like the open-heartedness with which you're offering something that you've developed for yourself out into the world. This is really, really special. Thank you so much, Megan. Thank you for having me. 